Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate, gathering the voices of medical affairs thought leaders and stakeholders to explore current trends, define best practices, and empower the medical affairs function. I'm your host, Garth Sundam, Communications Director at MAPS, and today we'll be speaking with Robert Grobel, John Prachek, and Pete Piliero about the role of data and analytics in leading and managing field medical teams. Robert is VP of Global Medical Strategy at Monocle. Monocle, a MAPS Partner Circle member company, is a cloud-based stakeholder platform enabling professionals in life sciences to confidently identify and engage the right experts across the world. By continuously analyzing a large amount of data across all therapeutic areas and regions, Monocle provides scientific context and actionable insights. John is integrated leader of preclinical and clinical research and medical affairs at Depoy Synth Spine and president of the MAPS Americas region. Pete is VP and head of medical affairs Americas at GlaxoSmithKline Consumer Healthcare. Today, Robert, John, and Pete will highlight how diverse organizations are evolving the ways they view and leverage data to improve broader strategies, both externally and internally. Robert, John, Pete, welcome. Uh, thank you all. And, and Robert, let's start with you. Can you set the stage? So how, how does data drive the value of field medical teams more broadly? Well, I think, I think data drives, drives value in field medical in, in any number of ways, um, whether it's around the accuracy of a scientific exchange or um, a scientific exchange that is really derived from the recency of data. I think it becomes incredibly important that field teams find the right data sources and leverage them to, to really address the needs that their experts are having or are looking to answer and becoming a partner with them in a, in a deeper scientific relationship. Oh, that's interesting. So I, I, I was imagining that we would be talking about how data is used to sort of manage the efforts of field medical teams. Mm. But what you're saying is that individual oh. field medical professionals also need data to have these scientific conversations with, with the people that they're engaging. So maybe we're talking about a bunch of different levels here. Well, I think, I think there's so much data that's out there and there's so many <laughs> different applications of it. I, I think we could have conversations that go on for hours about how to use it in many ways, but it's, you know, that's one example I think that becomes really important. Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, I think part of the challenge we all have is that there is so much data out there, uh, both data that we can use or our medical affairs, including field medical professionals can use in having a discussion with a key opinion leader, but also then on the other side of that, what is the data that we get or the insights, it's just a type of data that we get from all of those uh, discussions with KOLs. Um, so yeah, lot, uh, lots of data sources we could probably talk about here today. Oh, so that's a good point, Pete. So you're adding you know, even a third layer of data to our discussion today, and that is the data generated by field medical teams that comes back in-house for decision-making purposes. So John's over here on the med tech side of things, you know, data is blowing up on the, on the pharma side. You know, John, where, where is med tech in this? Ahead at the same place, you know, catching up? How, how is the exploding, are the exploding sources of data influencing field medical in med tech? Great question, Garth. I think 
you, it can be answered in a bifurcated way. We are behind in some ways with the actual therapeutics because, for example, in the pharmacology, excuse me, the pharmacy space with regards to psychiatry, they have been doing this for several years. Okay. And there's going to be providing insights, things like that, being able to determine if there are differences in practice between significant medical centers. And I think this is the dividend that the electronic medical record in some ways, perhaps another version of data, is now being able to being paid forward. Hospitals are looking to monetize the information that they're sitting on, whether that be pharmaceuticals or medical device. On the flip side, on the device side, I think now with the advent of robotics, there is going to be, at first, the data that surrounds the perioperative period, let's say the surgery, but it'll also be used for the preoperative period and the postoperative rehabilitation. Now, giving us greater insights, if you can will, to essentially digitize the surgical journey of the patient, uh, if that makes sense. Okay. So, okay. So it sounds like data, wow, I mean, so data is exploding. Robert, is, it, is the headline just that data is exploding and teams are scrambling to figure out what the heck to do with it? Or do we have you know, actionable best practices right now that, that some of our teams know and some of our teams don't know that, that you know, people listening could benefit from today? Well, I mean, it, it, the word exploding is, is just such a significant, uh, a significant way to characterize this. I mean, in, in, in 1980, the available medical data, scientific data, was doubling about every 10 years. Okay. As of today, it doubles every, every 73 days. I mean, electronic medical records is playing a part. Wearables are playing a part. There's so much more that, that we have at hand. Harnessing that data becomes the challenge and connecting the various data sources become the challenge to generate an insight. Um, you know, I think there are people, there are organizations out there that use data quite well in, in the medical space to, to really understand not only the needs of the experts, but, but the dynamics of, of what's happening across a therapeutic area. But I, I still think that there's a lot of change management that, that is going to be necessary in medical to really be able to, to consume and act on the vast amount of data that could drive activity, could drive insight, um, we're, we're still you know, trying to get there. I mean, I think about you know, most recent conversations I've had about you know, expert data in particular, um, you know, this is gonna be a leverage point when you're trying to generate new relationships. When a company goes into a new therapeutic area, you really have to understand those, those, those experts within that, that TA so that you can engage in an initial relevant conversation about that person in particular. And that's change management also. I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity though. Well, yeah, so, uh, that's a, sorry, Chris. That, that's an <laughs> amazing statistic, Robert, all the doubling time. Um, kind of scary, actually. Um, but if we circle kind of back to field medical, how can we use data to help manage them and their focus? Um, I think there's a number of things that are worth mentioning. So first of all, um, who are we going to meet with? Um, and uh, really the area of KOL or expert mapping has also either exploded or certainly got more refined and sophisticated over the last, say, three to five years, such that I think field medical programs should be utilizing one of the possible uh, sources of that information. I think, you know, we, we went from being 
less sophisticated kind of doing Google searches for KOLs to now having tools like like what Monocle offers and other companies offer um, to really dive into the KOL and understand all of the data surrounding them and how to prioritize who we need to speak to based on our medical strategic imperatives. So that's a big one for me. Um, but I think there's other things like competitive intelligence. Most of the companies that we work for or at have competitive intelligence teams that are gathering data and information. Market research, my goodness, there's a lot of market research going on. And some people may say, well, that's for marketing. It doesn't have to be for marketing. Medical can utilize that information as well. Um, and, and so uh, and, and publication updates and publication summaries, which again, a lot of companies put together, another source of, of data, if you will, that the teams can use to develop their executional plan. So I think on the front end, we can uh, manage our teams more uh, consistently and in a more sophisticated way using those data sources. And then on the back end, it's really using what we're capturing in our CRMs re mm -hmm. related to the scientific exchanges that we're having to mine the insights, the golden nuggets that can come out of these conversations. I would agree with you, Pete. I mean, now you can be using this information to uh, identify geographic trends, uh, identify population trends. Uh, does this information validate or help inform medical strategy uh, as it pertains to outcomes? I think that that's, uh, it's absolutely innumerable. When you hear terms, uh, looking at Robert's numbers, when they say that there is exhaust data, that means there is so much that that is the stuff that is blowing by that really doesn't get a chance to get analyzed even. Oh, I love that term. Yeah, and if you go ahead, Robert. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, but if you also think about that, it, it, that exhaust, it, it, it's almost incumbent on medical affairs to get a handle on some of that data so that they can bring that in a synthesized way back to an expert to say, I brought you everything that I think is gonna be relevant and new. Um, that becomes critically important. So if we think about the volume of publication and the volume of abstracts that are coming at us, the volume of just non-peer-reviewed data, the, all of the stuff that's come out around the coronavirus, I mean, how can we capture all that and bring it back to someone in a, in a really um, consumable way? I think the other way that, that field medical should consider using data, and it goes to something John, John had said earlier, is claims data i mean this these electronic the electronic health record data is available in real time almost and if you think about the medical science liaison bringing value to one of these experts can you use um different types of diagnostic codes biomarker codes to indicate that that physician is considering making a diagnosis and if that diagnosis is related to the the compounds that you are you are kind of bringing to the market do you have a more relevant conversation with that expert when he's actually trying to make a decision as opposed to doing something in a standard quarterly deployment? You know, bring the science when it's going to be most relevant and be most, you know, applicable to a potential patient. Yeah, and it gets to understanding your quote-unquote customer, your KOL. What yeah. are they interested in? It's not just yeah. about what our interest is. It's what's their interest in given all of the information that's out there and the exhaust, I do like that term, I hadn't heard that before. Um, how can we make sense of this for that KOL? How do we give, how do we do personalized scientific exchange? I'll coin that phrase here, because I think, um, you know, one, one approach does not fit all KOLs. Pete, you're absolutely right, because that personalization 
really gets down to think about what may be taking place at the university, may not be taking place at a regional referral center. Now what you have is almost customized clinical decision support. And if you see now a company, whether it be device or pharma, bringing that type of decision support, you're intuitively adding value just by the nature of that uh, delivery. Okay, so it sounds like, it reminds me of the 90s, right? Everyone was building websites and all of a sudden there was this explosion of, of website data and we ended up with what is effect, effectively a filter, which was Google. You know, it can find you the, the website that you want to be at. Now, are we at a stage with just exploding health and pharma and med tech data where we're looking for, you know, all of the different layers, filter layers like Google, that's going to give people the information they want from this data. You know, is, is that where we're at right now? I don't think we're there yet because I think this is still a, an opportunity to kind of reimagine how data connects together and, and what one filtered data set means when it's combined with another filtered data set. I mean, if, you, if we go back to kind of traditional ways of looking at this, and, and if we just focus on that, that profile data, you know, organizations would use a certain set of key elements to say, oh, this is a rising star, or this is someone who's established, or, you know, this type of persona of an expert. And I think you can look at other levels of behavioral data now and really understand what makes you know, uh, an expert tick, what their focus becomes. But it's it's then also the, the data that the MSL brings in as way of insight. And can we combine that with, let's say, the information that comes in from your medical call center? And does one validate the other? And it's so it's the additive power of multiple data sets, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question, Garth. And I think that a number of organizations are trying to create these data lakes where you can put all of these different types of data in one place and make those connections, analyze it, and have a more impactful way of using the data, whether it be used externally uh, with customers or internally for strategic purposes. Well, now that, that's interesting. So it sounds like there's a big push to centralize data, get everything in one place, and see how it synthesizes and then bring insights out of that pool of data. You know, is that something that, that you three, you know, Robert, Pete, and John would, would recommend as a best practice to listeners, you know, to get all your data in one place and then figure out how to draw insights from it? I think it's certainly one approach. Um, there are probably some okay. other approaches, but um, again, I would say um, this is one of those things that's been a hot topic uh, at a number of organizations I've been at over the last few years as a way to really utilize the data in the most effective way. Okay. I'd like to talk about, and I think Pete is, and Robert, you've had some really good insights and your question is spot on, Garth, but there's going to be some headwinds, I think, as well. Uh, at the same time that I had heard the term exhaust data, I also heard that certain physicians and surgeons are not necessarily comfortable with their information now being pooled. And they are worried, and this we saw this maybe when in just terms of traditional registries, that their data would be weaponized against them. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, perhaps uh, information about their practice would be used to the payers for steerage and things like that. So Pete has different outcomes than John, so therefore, uh, 
one of the major insurance companies will use that information for steerage purposes. So I think there's going to be some headwinds and tailwinds with the data rise that we're seeing, Garth. Okay. Well, you know what? I wish we had 15 hours instead of 16 minutes to explore this, but I think we need to, I think we need to leave it there for today. So thanks, Robert, Pete, and John for joining us today. And uh, to learn more about how Monocle can help your field medical teams connect with experts around the world to drive these impactful outreaches and strategic engagements, visit monocle.com. That's M-O-N-O-C-L.com. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. MAPS members, join us at the uh, community portal to continue the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe. Uh, And we will see you next week in our next episode of Elevate. Thank you all.